happy uh, Resurrection Day to all of you. It's great to be here with you. Uh, when we talk about Easter, I love to have the repeated phrase, if you join me in this, when I say he is risen, you can respond in unison, he is risen indeed. So let's give that a shot. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen what a joyful declaration that we can make. And I'm excited to see all of you here. You know, it's Easter Sunday, and so that usually means that some people come and visit family members, and we're grateful to have you here. We're grateful to have you here if it's your first time here at Palmetto Baptist Church. Um, Even if you don't have a family member here, we desire to offer a family to you if that's what you're looking for. We have a welcome desk as you walk in to the turf area. No better way to describe it. And uh, if you fill out a card that tells us that you're here, that's your decision, we'd love to give you a coffee mug. And if you're here again with one of your kids and you just want to be reminded regularly to pray for us, you get a mug as well. We'd love to pass it on to you and encourage you to pray for us. We can use more and more prayers. Um, I am just blessed by the fact that we're here because we weren't here last year at this time, right? Easter Sunday, we were in our homes and we were wondering, would we be back? I thought we were going to be back, you know, at that point as the pandemic started and we found out a totally different thing. And so it's such a blessing to be here together. And I I think it would be appropriate for us to just pause and uh, turn to someone around you and just introduce yourself, say, hey, hi, my name is, and happy Resurrection Day. Glad that you're here. Go ahead and do that right now. So I'd like everyone to feel welcomed and greeted. So what you're going to find here at Palmetto Baptist Church is we're not here to put on a show uh, in any stretch of the imagination. We're here to worship Jesus. And and so if you feel so moved to say amen when I'm preaching, feel free to do that. Don't feel like it's forced or awkward. Um, Feel free to take notes if you want to. I have notes for you online at pbcpowdersville.org. And we're going to talk together today about the fabrication regarding the resurrection. And I put this in terms of helping us understand that there's a group of people out there that doesn't want us to believe that Jesus rose again. And we read from 1 Corinthians 15 that if he had not risen again, we are of all men most to be pitied. Because it's it's only about this life. Man, this life doesn't offer that much. It offers pain and suffering, sometimes some temporary joy, but then usually we're discouraged and disappointed. But if we understand there's hope, There's a future, a resurrection, when Jesus Christ is going to come back and take his own to be home with him. Our lost loved ones will be in heaven. That changes everything about our perspective. So I want to encourage you to leave with hope today as we consider this, the fabrication regarding the resurrection. You can turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Our key text for today is going to be verses 11 through 15. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15. Um, And while you're turning there, just a couple quotes for you to understand. Mark Twain made this statement, A lie can go around the world while truth is still lacing her boots. Lies just travel really quickly. A very convicting statement that I read in a book that's helpful in your walk with Christ and your defense of the faith by Todd Friel. He wrote a book called Jesus Unmasked. And he made the statement, 
A recent study claims that the average person lies three times per 10 minutes during a conversation. Yikes. That's not me. Oh, you just lied. Okay. I mean, you know, lies can be exaggerations, right? They can be exaggerating the truth because we're trying to impress people or in our false humility holding back some truth. Why don't we just say it exactly how it is and let the truth stand on its own? Well, we have a tendency to fear man and we just don't say the truth. And I want to encourage you to know the truth about the resurrection. And so as you look down with me at Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15, we're going to notice that this lie is the one that's propagated. Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. That's the lie. Don't miss that. Let's read this text together, Matthew 28, verse 11 through 15. In fact, let's start with verse 1 of chapter 28 so we have context. I think just that helps a little bit. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came up and and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now our text for this morning. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. There's the lie. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. You know, there are all sorts of conspiracy theories out there about the resurrection. I'll just list a couple for you, for you to consider and for you to understand. The swoon theory, the idea of the hallucination theory, and then we have this would be the disciples being deceived Or the other aspect would be, no, they actually knew what was going on, and they decided to deceive other people. So they told a lie outright, is the concept how this goes. They invented a myth, and they stole the body away. Now, as we consider these potentials, we're going to look at this last aspect of the lie that they stole the body away, but the reality is they didn't steal the body away. We just got done singing, God robbed the grave. So Jesus rose again, came back to life miraculously as an act of divine conquering of sin. And that's what we rejoice and celebrate today. But what do you know about these theories? Well, the swoon theory is a simple theory that means that Jesus was unconscious when he was on the cross And they took him down, and when they laid him down into that cool grave and rolled the stone away, he resuscitated. He came back to life. 
and somehow in coming back to life, he broke out of the tomb, and this is where it gets really weird because he was completely wrapped up in linen, and he had this big stone rolled over the top of that tomb, and it was sealed, and there were guards around him, but as the theory goes, he broke the seal, rolled back the stone, and walked out on his own. What makes this one hard to believe? It was made possible or, pro- or popular in the 19th century by Frederick Schleichelmaker. And he pushed this big. He said, this is the view that we need to hold to. And yet, these things we have to consider. Three different groups of people. The Roman guards, what were they, what were they paid to do? They were paid to be executioners. So their job was to make sure everyone on that cross would die. And they did a really good job of it. They did a good job of beating him, flogging him, almost to the point of death. They did a great job of nailing him to the cross, and they observed his death. Pilate had a centurion go and check to make sure Jesus was indeed dead, and that centurion took a spear and poked it right into the side of Jesus so that it went right into his heart, so blood and water came flowing out of it. So we have the soldiers who were paid to do what they were doing, We had the centurion who, under the orders of Pilate, Pilate said, go make sure he's dead. So he was dead. Indeed, he was dead. And the Sanhedrin were so worried about the fact that something would happen and his body would get resurrected that when, one, Joseph of Arimathea came up to try to get the body out of the grave, they had to justify, they had to verify, excuse me, that Jesus was truly dead. Here's what I'm saying, is that Jesus died. So the swoon theory just doesn't work. Okay, how about the hallucination theory? What does that mean? Well, simply that people saw manifestations of Jesus as some sort of spiritual form that would appear. Problem with that is that Jesus appeared, as we read in 1 Corinthians 15, to many different groups of people in different settings. Hallucinations work when you have expectation and anticipation, and when you look at the disciples of Jesus How were they responding to the crucifixion of Jesus in Luke 24? They were pretty bummed. In fact, their their faces were sad, and they were murmuring together as they're walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were saying, we thought that the Savior of Israel had come, and they were not anticipating the return. They, in fact, did not compute with the fact that Jesus had prophesied over and over again, I will on the third day rise again. And then here's this other issue about the hallucination theory. Hallucinations only work one person to hallucination, not groups of people. There has never been a recorded time when a whole group saw the same hallucination. So this just doesn't work. This concept of different theories for what happened to Jesus, but yet the world is full of explanations. And so they say, well, then maybe they invented this myth, this myth about Jesus Christ rising from the dead because it would motivate so many. And we could ask questions about would that many millions of people die for a myth? Martyrs who followed the gospel and believed in the truth? Well, they presented this fact. Jesus was, he died, he didn't rise again, but they stole his body away. That was the lie that we find here promoted, and it's the lie that is uh, promoted to this day. Let's consider these truths about lies. Number one, I'm going to give you three different points for you to consider. We're going to work in this area. I'm going to start with verse 15, I'm going to go 12 through 14, and I'm going to end with verse 11. And you might say, that's weird, it's backward, but it's it's done on purpose, okay? So I want you to know that lies appear to work, lies require work, and lies, in the end, do not work. Just really simple. And I'm encouraging you not to buy into the lie, but to leave today 
joy filled with the fact of the resurrection. So let's look at this first one, lies appear to work. What we find in verse 15 is we find this statement, so they took the money and did as they were directed. They did as they were directed. This is the idea of something that took place. They took the money. It took place at one point in time, and they were going and doing exactly what they were told, and they were going to follow through. And this money being received, the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. So I want want you to think with me. Has been spread is made generally known or spread abroad. The fame of Jesus spread formerly by two blind men in Matthew 9.31. And so apparently this theory has been spread abroad to this day. Can you think of any theories that have been spread abroad to this day or old wives' uh, uh, fables, tales, wives' tales? I'll get it right eventually. Here's a couple for you. Have you ever heard this concept that eating and swimming don't go together? The old wives' tale that says if you eat within an hour of swimming, you will get cramps. Well, guess what? The Red Cross says that eating directly prior to swimming does not increase your risk of cramps at all. They do, however, recommend at least waiting for digestion to begin if you have eaten a particularly fatty meal. Okay, here's another one. How about the idea of uh, carrots improve your vision? Is it possible that this tale came about due to the Allied propaganda during the Second World War when rumors were spread that the British airmen had excellent night vision due to eating carrots? The myth was spread to stop the Germans from discovering that the British were using radar. While carrots contain vitamin A, which is good and healthy for your eyes, eating lots of them will do nothing to improve your vision. I'm so sorry. Okay, cracking your knuckles causes arthritis. I'm glad to know that while it's true that constant knuckle cracking can reduce the strength of your grip and cause swelling, it does not lead to arthritis. There are many causes of arthritis, such as trauma or infection of a joint or old age, but knuckle cracking is not one of them. Are you guys, you're finding hope already? Okay. I know this is one today. Chocolate causes acne. I have good news for you. There's actually not an iota of evidence to support this tale. No food type, not just chocolate, can cause acne or bad skin. So eat it up. Needless to say, eating too much chocolate or sugar food like donuts, it's unhealthy for the body, um, but it does not cause skin problems. It's usually caused by lower layers of skin surrounding hair follicles, but anyway, we'll get out of that one. Let's go to another one. Toads and warts. If you hold a toad, it's going to create warts on your skin. It's almost certain that this strange old wife's tale has come about because of the appearance of wart-like growths among many toads. In fact, these growths are not human-compatible at all. Warts are caused by viruses, and they are almost always exclusive to a particular genus of creature. Humans cannot catch warts from other animals. Okay, good. And this one, I think, is made very popular, even within Christian circles, that the divorce rate is increasing. Have you guys heard that? Fact is, it's not. And you can do some research on that and find out, but the fact is that the divorce rate has been going down for decades. And in fact, it's, it hit its peak of about 41% who were married 35 years ago. It's been falling ever since. So to have someone propagate a story that people would buy in, as you may have buy, bought into some of those that I just listed, is not too far out of the realm of possibility. But when we look at this text, it says that they took the money and they, as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. What day are we talking about? Is that to today? 
Do people believe those things today? Well, they do believe the swoon theory. They believe the hallucination theory. They believe that maybe this is all a huge myth. Um, others have found some other solutions. In fact, what we do find out when the writer here, Matthew, is saying to this day, let's, let's put this down into areas that we can understand. The Gospel of Matthew was written around 80, 50 to 60s. So during the time when the church got started at Pentecost, the book of Acts, this, this lie was being propagated. Uh, a testimony of Justin Martyr in AD 114 to 116, when, uh, 165 when he lived, there was a discussion that went on where there was this debate as to whether or not Jesus Christ was raised again from the dead. And the truth is, it didn't hold any water. This is what he said. You have sent chosen and ordained men throughout the whole world to proclaim that a godless and lawless heresy has sprung from one Jesus, a Galilean deceiver, whose disciples stole him by night from the tomb. We have record that they continued to believe that all the way into AD 165. And then we have in 2010, Dr. William Craig, he's lecturing to a group of high school students about the truth of the resurrection, because why not get people to be deceived about what they believe if you can take away the resurrection, you can take everything away from what we believe. And he taught that what actually happened was Jesus Christ had a twin brother. That was his solution. So people saw him walking around, but it wasn't really him. It just looked like him. I put that in quotes, Star Wars-esque, you know. And when I, just before coming here, just did a quick search and found that in April 9th, 2015, CNN did a report that they found the bones of Jesus Christ. Have you heard that one? Oh, this was a big one. And of course, who should doubt CNN? CNN special report that the bones of Jesus were found, the Talpoit tombs, 10 ossuaries containing names of Mary, Mary Magdalene. And actually they came to the conclusion Jesus was actually married and he had kids. And they have the names of his kids. And you start... Looking at this, you start saying, hey, that sounds really concerning to me. Well, actually, this is what you ended up finding out. The CNN says this. Names found on the boxes belonged to Jesus and his family was suspect. Further evidence demonstrates that the theory doesn't stand up to the fact that they were common names used during that time. They were combined names used during that time. And the dealer who was promoting this lie was brought under trial of antiquities. In other words, the guy was a fraud, and yet people jumped on it. Why do we jump on lies? I'll tell you why. It's no different than what happened in the garden, and I want you to be aware of this. Did God really say, Satan said to Eve, that on the day you eat of it, you're surely going to die? So if Satan can get into our mind and get us to doubt just a little bit about the truth of the Bible, he's got a foothold on us, and that's sometimes exactly what we want, because we want to be free to do whatever we want to do. And if I can get rid of God, God's off my back, I can do what I want, and I become God. Now, I'm just boiling it down for your very basic truths, but the truth is we don't want to be held accountable to a holy God, but I want you to know we are held accountable to a holy God, and I can also tell you this, that the only answer to the holiness of God and my sinfulness is the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place and rose again and had victory over my sin and over your sin so that you can believe, be saved, 
and be set free from life-besetting sin. To God be the glory. So lies appear to work initially, but they sure do require a lot of work. Notice this in verses 12 through 14. First, you've got to organize the facts. And when they assembled the elders and taken counsel, this is the idea of coming up together with a common interest. They've got to cover their tracks. They've got to cover the truth of what's going on. They assembled them together. They organized the facts. They covered up their tracks. They gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers. This sufficient sum of money is a relatively large quantity, probably implying what could be expected under the circumstances. The sum of money, silver, it's the same word as 30 pieces of silver in Matthew 26, 15. Interesting, I wonder if they used the same amount of money that they used to betray Jesus, they gave to Judas, to this group of soldiers. Look, I'm going to give you guys each 30 pieces of silver, and I'm going to use that to convince you to keep propagating this lie. It had to be a significant amount. And whenever we tell a lie, we organize the facts so they fit perfectly with what we're saying, and we try to cover our tracks but we do realize that it never really works in the end. And then you've got to justify your actions. If we look back at Matthew 27, we'll see in verses 63 through 65, and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will rise. Remember that imposter? Kids, I'm not talking about that imposter, Okay. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a college student, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. But they called Jesus an imposter. They, they were saying, he's fake. He's, he's not for real. They were calling him this. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. They were already afraid of this. They're going to take the body away. This is before Jesus was crucified. You've got to justify your actions. They were propagating this lie from the beginning, and the last fraud would be worse than the first. What's the first fraud? The first fraud, according to the religious leaders, is that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy, and he was guilty of desecration. And they were saying that if his body is resurrected, then it would be worse than him saying, I am God, and that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, on the Sabbath day, and heal whomever. And they're saying this would be the worst thing. So you've got to justify your actions. But if you come back to our text in verses 13 and 14, and he said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while they were sleeping. Tell here is a present active participle. And its emphasis is on speaking or talking with the focus of the content. Tell them. Proclaim this to them. Stolen. This is a word normally used for theft. It's by night while they were asleep. It's the present middle, not by choice here. They were, he was stolen out. Uh, we will satisfy. It's a future active indicative. This idea of satisfaction is going to come. If this comes to the governor's ears, don't worry. We'll take care of you. We'll tickle his ears. And we're going to keep you out of trouble. This is to create, to bring about, to accomplish. You can trust us. We got this all down because you must continue the deception in order for this to work, but I want you to know that it doesn't work, and so it leads us to this idea of the continuation of the deception. So they took the money as they were directed, did exactly that way, and the story is spread among the Jews to this day. Have you ever been in a place where you've told a lie and you try to keep covering up your tracks? 
I got in a fight when I was in sixth grade. I've told some of you about that. That's if you've been here for like three, four years. It was all about who's the toughest kid in sixth grade. It was really stupid. I was convinced I was. Tim Lynn was convinced that he was. I would have none of it. And so we talked, and, and he said, well, let's fight right now. We're in the bathroom. I was like, no, I'm not going to fight you in the bathroom. I am the toughest, but I won't fight you here. I said, give me two weeks so I can train, and then we'll fight at recess. <laughs> he thought it was a great idea. I went home, watched Rocky. I enjoyed watching some other shows, and I was convinced that all I needed to do was throw one really good punch to the face, and that guy, Tim, would fall down. That's a lie, everybody. <laughs> because when it came time for recess, and, and the, I don't know how my teacher did not know what was going on. Mrs. Sanders, bless her heart. She was talking with some other teacher, and the kids surrounded us in a big circle, and we went down. Uh, it went down. The fight went on, and I mustered up all the courage I could with all of my effort. I went to punch him, but I just couldn't punch him in the face because I'm used to punching my brothers in the stomach, right? Not in the face. Face is off limits. So I just said, I'm going to hit him really hard in the stomach, and it'll be all over. I hit him in the stomach. No, nah, he just hit me in the eye. I was like, ouch. And then he hit me again in the face, and that was double ouch. So that was it. Um, I just decided to go off on him, and I did, and um, it, was, it was a mess. Knocked out a couple teeth. Yeah. Anyway, to tell you this story, um, one of the girls in the circle came up to me afterwards, because we had to kind of clean ourselves up. I had a black eye, and the, the, the rule was between the two of us, whoever drew the first blood won. And so Tim, to this day, says he won because he gave me a black eye. And I said, I knocked out your tooth. And um, it didn't really matter because one of the girls, her name was Rachel, she, she came up to me. She said, you are going to get in big trouble. I said, what do you mean? I'm going to tell our teacher. I said, you can't tell our teacher. Yes, I will. Well, then this is what I'll do. You have to bring me a pack of Bubblicious every single day. And so guess what I did? I figured it out, and I brought a pack of Bubblicious gum to her every single day for an entire week. And then I realized, this is going to cost me a lot of money. <laughs> and I ended up telling her, forget it, I can't do that anymore. Because it takes work to cover up your lies. Right? And it doesn't work in the end. In the end, it all came out. In the end, I can rejoice and tell you that Tim and I are good friends, and we even joke about it to this day. But if you are caught up in perpetual lying, I want to challenge you, it is way too much work, and it is exhausting. But it's the work of the devil. He is the father of lies, and he wants you to believe lies. Don't buy in. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing together. And I'm going to come back up and finish out with a look at that verse 11 and some application. And we will hope to find great joy in the resurrection, in the truth. Father, thank you. It's good for us to worship the King of Kings, the resurrected Savior. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. That's right. He is risen indeed. If you are sitting there thinking, are we singing another song? So it kind of reminds me of the old uh, Chronicles of Narnia, and you hear the word Aslan. What does that do to your soul? For some of the kids, it made them really happy. Others of them, it made them not feel so great, like Edmund. And as we sing, that should cause your heart to rejoice. And if it's not rejoicing, what's going on? Are you a believer? 
because I'm proclaiming that all of these lies about the fact that the resurrection didn't happen, they're just lies. The resurrection happened. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We know that. He, he rose again. Maybe it's, I already know that, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit convicting you that he is king and he wants you to submit to him. So it, it could be something not related to what I've been saying about lies and cover-up of lies and that type of thing. It may be some other sin that you've been working on that God is saying to you, give to me. Because I paid for it already. That's the beauty of what we're doing here. We are celebrating the power of the cross. The power of his resurrection. So I'm going to call you to a decision as you consider these fabrications. But again, to just prove my point, famous conspiracies. There's a conspiracy out there, I wonder if you've heard it, that we actually didn't land on the moon. You heard that one? I mean, look at the flag, it's moving. There's no atmospheric pressure and wind. Or it even gets even worse when you start to think about what actually happened on 9-11. Was it our government? Or was it Osama bin Laden? What really happened there? And then it gets even another level of worse. You go from almost 3,000 souls lost to over 3 million souls lost when you come to the Holocaust. And there's a teaching out there that this never happened. And we are so quick to rewrite history, to cancel things out and put our own version of it in there. And I want to tell you something, that lies appear to work at first. They sure require a ton of work. But in the end, they do not work. The truth about the lie in Matthew 28, 13, and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while, he, while we were asleep. I want you to know that it is illogical. When I say it's illogical, here's a couple reasons. If the soldiers were asleep, how could they know what happened to the body of Jesus? Second, if the price of sleeping was death, as we find in Acts chapter 12, verse 19, in Acts 16, 27 through 28, where the one guarding the jail cell was right about to take a sword and drive it through his own body, but Paul says, no, no, stop doing that. Why would he do that? Because the price of that happening would be his own death. Why would they admit to sleeping on the job? It's illogical because the, the disciples demonstrated by their actions that they lacked the courage to attempt this scheme. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, how are they going to sneak past 30-plus guards, break the seal, remove the body, and leave the grave clothes behind them, and the linen cloth neatly folded? By the way, the grave cloths were left by the thieves, really? You think they would do that? It's illogical. The truth is often harder for a person to believe than a lie, and many still swallow this lie. I think it's also irreconcilable. Not only illogical, but how do you reconcile? Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in Matthew 28, verse 9. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24. The ten disciples, Luke 24. The eleven disciples, including Doubting Thomas in Luke 24. A special appearance to Peter, Luke 24, 33 through 35. In 1 Corinthians 15, 5. Then to 500 brothers at once, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. Then to James, 1 Corinthians 15, 7. Then to Peter, John 21. This is not reconcilable. How do, how do we explain that he appeared to all these people and he were actually still dead? What about the martyrdom of all the disciples minus John who was boiled but he made it through and ended up dying of old age? What about the hundreds and thousands of others 
that have died for their faith, including the current martyrdom that's taking place. And I know some of you will say, yeah, well, that same argument could be used against Muslims, right? Because they die for their faith. I get that. I understand what you're saying. But again, don't let Satan jump into your head and, and start to discount what I'm saying to you. I've said a lot of really great things that relate to this text about it's illogical and it's irreconcilable. Don't let Satan get you in there saying, no, 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 that, that can't be true. Just because you're trying to get out from underneath the holiness of God. I think, bottom line, it was helpful. Because in trying to propagate this lie, in sealing the tomb and having it guarded by soldiers, they made the removal of the body close to impossible. In propagating the lie, they proved beyond reasonable doubt that the body was removed because they tried to cover it up. And of course, no body was ever in human history produced by any of its enemies. Christianity's enemies. No body ever found. So actually, I think, good, propagate that lie because in the end it proves that Jesus is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So what do we do with this? Well, verse 11 helps us with application. I want you to know that some will accept the truth. While they were going, who's the they that are going? It's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. While they're going along, they're ones who believe it and go and tell the others about it. In the Gospel of Luke, we find out that the two on the road to Emmaus are saying, these women, they came and told us this thing. We find it hard to believe. They believed it. Some accepted the truth. I hope you're in that category of those that say, I buy in. He is my master. He is my savior. He is my risen savior who's coming again. But some will reflect on the truth. I love this statement. Behold, some of the guards. That tells us not all of the guard decided to go and figure out what they were going to do and how to cover up the lie. So let me speculate just a little bit. Could it have been Malchus that was a part of the group that had his ear chopped off and healed by Jesus? That he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm in. I'm not buying this lie and propagating. I don't know. How about the centurion that said, behold, this is the Son of God? Was he a part of that initial group that had oversight? I don't know, but I do know in Scripture it refers to some of the enemy who converted and believed. So some means it's not all. Some will reflect, and I hope you are in that group at least that you reflect, and some will eventually reflect the truth, went into the city and told the chief priest all that had taken place. Told is to give an account. The chief priest means the high priest, those belonging to the high priestly family. They told him everything that had taken place. They're reflecting because they're sitting there going, I don't know if this is something we can have an answer for. So let me encourage you on these simple points. Believe. Easter Sunday, 2021, make it your day to believe. For the first time or for the hundredth time that he is good enough. Reject the conspiracies about the resurrection. The disciples were deceived or the religious leaders were the deceivers. Reject these ideas that come from them and realize that it says in Titus 1-2, we have a God who cannot lie. He just doesn't lie. And he proclaimed that this would happen and it did happen. And so I'm calling you to believe in him today. Again, let me say it one more time. If you're here and you do not believe in Jesus that he rose again, I want to encourage you to believe in him. And we have hundreds of people here who do believe that, but are you living that today? Are you actually living in light of that fact? Then I'll know it because you'll be like those that chose to speak the truth. 
in application. Your eternal destiny depends upon it. Don't participate in the corruption of a cover-up. Don't open the door for lies by withholding information or exaggerating information. Let's just take a simple principle from here that lies don't work in the end, and let's stop with our own lies. If you are caught up in a series of lies, this can be your turning point. You can choose this morning to say, okay, I'm going to raise my hand, or I'm going to go talk to that person and tell them, you know what, actually I've been lying to you. And, and, and that's not something that I should be doing because I'm a follower of Jesus. And I'm embarrassed to tell that to you, but I've been lying to you. Will you forgive me? And try to get that right. You know what we're dealing with? Those that perpetuate lies, actually there's a place in Revelation 21.8, the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, all murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So this is pretty serious stuff we're talking about. And then share the truth. You don't know who's really listening, as I don't know when I'm proclaiming this truth to you. I don't know how many of you are buying in. The women believed, some of the religious leaders ended up believing. How do we know that? Well, we have the centurion, we have Malchus, we have example of Joseph of Arimathea. We have Nicodemus, who we considered last week. Some of the soldiers believed, um, the religious leaders believed, and most of the disciples ended up believing. And a beautiful picture, John followed by Peter, and later the ten, and last, Thomas. Share the truth. Do you know someone in your community that needs the gospel? I hope the answer to that is yes. When was the last time that you took it beyond just being uh, what... Joe Bush shared with us on that Good Friday service being an innuendo Christian. Just kind of a generally good person who doesn't swear and doesn't do anything to offend people, but when it comes to actually asking the question, do you know if you died today where you would go? Do you have faith in a real Jesus? Who is Jesus to you? Have you ever done that? Or are you too concerned that they'll think you're a radical or you're some kind of strange fanatic the truth is we need to be committed to this gospel and we need to share this gospel and we will see God change souls. He will convert and draw people to him. And I'm calling all of you to consider whom has God laid on your heart to reach with this glorious news that he is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray together.